want to just uh, say that we're so very grateful and thankful to be here with you. Um, I was going to give you a, a praise report on the things that God is doing uh, in Harrisburg uh, as a result of your uh, supporting us and finances and prayer, but I'll wait till next time that we come to get into all of that because I really want you to uh, partake of the word that's to come forth today. I asked my wife, the mother of my children, uh, to share with you today here on this Mother's Day. Um, we have been married uh, 37 years. Um, we have three adult children. Our oldest son, Christopher, and his wife, Antoinette, live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They've been married, uh, is it three years now? Three years. Um, and then our twin sons, uh, Jonathan and David, uh, they're both 27 now. Can't believe I can say that. Was it 28? 28. Oh, my goodness. The time's going by so fast. And you guys know John. Uh, we're really glad to have him with us uh, to, with us today and his, uh, his younger brother by seven minutes. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> Those seven minutes. <laughs> um, but his younger brother, David, uh, he and his wife, Michelle, live in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. They've been married for four years and and they have a, as I keep, can't remember, it's 18, 19 month, I guess it's 19 month old uh, granddaughter. Um, her name is Robin, and we've shown you guys pictures of her. You know how very proud we are uh, as grandparents. Um, and and uh, so it's very, very dear, uh, precious and dear. My wife is to me uh, as the mother of my children, and now we have a granddaughter. We met. Um, and on the campus of Oral Roberts University in, the, in August of 1977. And little did we know when we first met that we were meeting uh, our soulmate and our partners and friend and for life. We didn't know. And, um, and it has been an incredible journey that the Lord has given us, has given us together. Uh, not just in ministry, even though that's been the majority of our married life has been in ministry. One of our ongoing jokes is that she didn't want to marry a pastor, and I was not a pastor when we got married. So God answered that part of the prayer. She did not marry a pastor. <laughs> um, you know, we got married in 81 and found ourselves ordained as pastors in, in 91, 10 years later. So we have been married quite a while by the time uh, ordination came for, for both of us, licensing and ordination. And our children were young, and I watched my wife uh, minister to these incredible uh, little boys that God blessed us with. And I watched her. Uh, it's something is very different when you um, marry a person and you know them. You know, we knew each other as teenagers. We, you know, we met at 18 and 19 years old, and we literally kind of grew up together. But then to watch her go from being a wife to a wife and a mother was an incredible transition. Uh, I'm going to brag on her a little bit before she shares in the word. 
because I want you to understand a little bit better this woman that stands before you. I watched her allow the Holy Spirit teach her how to be a mother. Um, I watched her, uh, I mean, uh, I was there, present at the birth of all three of our sons uh, when the twins were born. I thought the, she was incredible when she gave birth to our firstborn. Uh, and the, but when I watched her give birth to twins without any anesthesia, so all the ladies all say, I saw those eyebrows raise. I watched her give birth to twins with no, none, none, no anesthesia. She was on a whole nother level for me from that point on. Uh, I also knew that from that point on, this was not somebody to mess with. <laughs> but she has uh, not only been an incredible mother, but she's been just an awesome, awesome wife, uh, serving in the background for many, many years, uh, while the Lord was always placing me in the forefront, which I didn't ask for or want to be in anyway. I watched her minister to young ladies in particular, uh, because we were over teenagers um, in a multi-ethnic community in the inner city of St. Louis, and I watched her many times uh, sitting in our living room uh, in very personal, private moments, uh, ministering to young ladies, uh, walking them through the crises and the traumas in their life. I watched her uh, minister to young, young, to young women who were struggling with their marriage uh, who was struggling with their sexuality, all of the issues that we see today. Uh, the woman coming before you can speak to and address those issues from a very different perspective um, of having walked through these issues with young ladies who have had abortions, uh, who, are, who, have, who are living with regret for decisions that they made. But God used her as a healing balm uh, as a healing agent in their life, and she did very much did the same thing uh, for me in my life. Um, and so I want to just uh, bring her before you, but before I do, I want to say I give honor to my mother as well, uh, who uh, gave birth to me after she had just lost a child. Still an incredible part of our story. Our, our youngest, she was pregnant with me, seven months pregnant, when her youngest child died in a food choking accident and still had to have the strength two months later to give birth to me. So I give honor to my mother and also give honor to the woman who gave birth to my wife, Mary <laughs> Dennis. Y'all give her a hand. <laughs> So this is a very, very special uh, time uh, for us as a family, and I know that the word that is coming before you will be tremendously healing for you, because everywhere and every time I've heard my wife minister, it is always a time of tremendous healing. And even though a lot of the word will be targeted toward the, toward the women, the mothers today, um, it is such a balanced word that every man in here will be able to receive it, be able to hear it and receive it. So Lord, I just thank you for this moment and for the life, the life that is 
that has been lived behind this word. I thank you for clarity of mind and speech. We decrease that you would increase in this place. Thank you for how you've already used this, these moments before to prepare our hearts for this word. And you've already confirmed it <laughs> with many of the things that Pastor Paul has said. So, Lord, we may she be free to minister completely, thoroughly, wholly what you want to have delivered to your people. May there be not only ears to hear and hearts to receive, but that lives are transformed and changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Wow. I, uh, wow. Thank you, dear. Appreciate that. Um, so once again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, um, both natural and spiritual moms. Um, mother, happy Mother's Day, Mom Aether. Uh, I consider you a true Proverbs 31 woman. When I look at you, that's what I see. That's how I view you. I give honor to my mom. I thank God for her. When you, you see Mary Dennis sitting there, you see a miracle. And I thank God for the miracle that is Mary Dennis. Thank you. I love you, Mom. I give honor to my mother-in-law. She filled in so many places in my life that it was almost as if she had given birth to me. So I love her dearly. Um, I can stop crying. Um, <laughs> I want to exhort and encourage all of the women today, and our theme scripture will be Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with, with wisdom 
and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. In the Jewish culture, the daughter was expected to help her mother in the home. At a very early age, she began to learn various domestic skills that she needed to become a good wife and a mother herself. By the age of 12, the daughter would have become a homemaker in her own right. The woman in Proverbs 31 is the example of a woman who had been trained from a child how to successfully, uh, number one, manage a household and provide for her family. Number two, she never wasted her time, but spent her time in more important tasks. Number three, she had a knack for seeing what needed to be done and did it. She had a good understanding of business, knowing how to buy and sell wisely. Number four, she was not selfish. She helped the needy and gave advice to those who were less wise. Number five, she also had a deep reverence for God. And number six, she tried in every way to be a helper fit for her husband. When she did all of these things, her husband would be lifted to an important place in the eyes of the community. <coughs> the whole healthy, godly woman has many talents. And these are the qualities a godly mother instills in her children to prepare them for life. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In, in Proverbs 22, 6, train up, that phrase train up, has the idea of parents graciously investing in the life of a child, whatever wisdom, love, nurture, and discipline is needed for them to become fully committed to God. It presupposes the emotional and spiritual maturity of the parent to do so. It means to train the child according to the unique personality, gifts, and aspiration of the child. It also means to train the child to avoid whatever natural tendencies they might have that might prevent total commitment to God. Um, and, uh, for example, lack of discipline, susceptibility for depression, uh, weak-willed, etc. But what happens when we as parents have not been trained up according to our unique personalities or gifts? When we don't have, we, when we did not grow up necessarily with the foundation that we needed to continue to have, to grow into a mature life, a healthy life, a full-rounded life. Perhaps it was because our parents hadn't received the tools they themselves needed to give to us. Perhaps it was due to various family issues, such as abandonment, physical abuse, sexual abuse, 
emotional abuse, divorce, or some other trauma. I believe what God does in his faithfulness is that he provides ways of purification and healing to bring wholeness, not only to our lives, but to facilitate it in the lives of both our parents and our children. Let's look at the example of Esther. Let's turn to Esther 2, 2 through 14, and while you're doing that, I'll go ahead and read it. Then the king's servants who attended him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, the citadel, and to the women's quarters, under the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, custodian of the women, and let beauty preparations be given them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This thing pleased the king, and he did so. And I think most of you know the story about Vashti and how uh, she refused the king his request. And so because she um, uh, refused his request and dishonored him in front of uh, his peers, uh, she was removed from her position. So back um, in uh, verse 5, in Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shammai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So it was when the king's command and decree were heard and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace and to the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor. So he readily gave her beauty preparations to her, besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Esther had not revealed her people or family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. Each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months preparation according to the regulations for the women. For thus were the days of their preparation apportioned, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared, each young woman went to the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women, to the custody of Shaashkaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name." 
The life of Esther is a prophetic example of the process we as women will go through to be prepared for our kingdom purpose. Esther was an orphan of the tribe of Benjamin, adopted and raised by her cousin, Mordecai, after the death of both her parents. She found herself drafted as a candidate to be part of the king's royal court. But Persian law required that women qualify to be part of the king's court. It entailed six months of preparation using oil of myrrh and six months of preparation using sweet odors and other ingredients for the purifying of women. This 12-month preparation consisted of, um, number one, there was an allowance that was given to, given to them. And that allowance uh, consisted of numerous dietary delicacies. So even in her preparation, Esther's preparation included a change in her diet, uh, which prophetically represents changing not just your natural diet, but your spiritual diet as well. Um, um, so a, a daily, we, so we do need to be careful about our daily diet, what we, what we take in. Um, uh, we need to have a steady diet of the word. Um, Gaining God's viewpoint, um, agreeing with it, and actually living it out changes our lives. Uh, it changes our viewpoint. It changes how we respond to life. So a daily diet of the word is very necessary for a healthy life, for a whole life. Uh, of course, the daily diet of healthy food is good for us as well. Um, one of the things that I um, started doing when in our early 40s was to change, to begin to change our diet. I saw um, different health issues in our families. And so in order to deal with that, to be uh, preventive, to get ahead of any issues, I began to change our diet. Um, we one of the things we stopped doing was eating pork. Although I do still eat bacon because I just love bacon. <laughs> Every now and then I will have some bacon. But um, for the most part, I cut out pork out of our diet um, and just really began to stop eating a lot of fast food, uh, processed foods. Um, and I've, I've seen a difference in our lives. Uh, um, in Chris's family, uh, heart disease, there's, there's a history of heart disease. Um, in fact, um, for the most, the men in, on his side of the family have had issues with heart, but Chris has had none because we've, I've changed the diet. Um, so he's had no heart issues. He's had very good checkups um, regarding his heart and his health. So I'm, I praise God for that. But these, it's, it's amazing how, you know, it's, a, it's one of those things that when, as I was growing up, that it was, it was taught, but it's not prevalent now as it used to be. They don't really teach people how to eat right or to take care of your body. And it's, and it's amazing to me how simple it is just to do these things. Um, and how the changes that it makes in your life, not just eating right, but, in, but eating the word on a daily basis. It changes your life. It changes your viewpoint. It helps you to deal with the difficult 
issues that you face on a daily basis. You get to see God's viewpoint. It helps you not to be depressed. It gives you hope. Uh, number two, purification um, was a part of the preparation, uh, which involved a rubbing with perfumery, with, perf with perfume for anointing and cleansing. Um, number three, oil. Uh, uh, there was an anointing with oil. And of course, the, the oil signifies the power and ability to do the will of God. Uh, number four, myrrh was used. Myrrh, it was used as a, a, dis, dis, a distillation. Um, and myrrh is also a bitter oil. It's a bitter compound. It's, it's used to purify, to cleanse. Myrrh symbolizes being purified from bitterness or sadness caused by hurts and pains from the past. Um, Esther was fatherless and motherless, um, but it signifies being purified from different abuses, uh, and I mentioned that uh, sexual, physical, mental, emotional abuse, um, neglect. Neglect, unfulfilled dreams, heart-crushing experiences. Myrrh symbolizes purification from exploitation, uh, which is the unethical use of someone or something from one's own profit. Um, today, uh, sex trafficking is a huge thing in this country, which is really horrible, in the world. Uh, it's amazing that there are more slaves today in this world than there was uh, during uh, slavery in this country. Uh, myrrh symbolizes purification from hostile situations, disillusionment, personal suffering, homelessness, assaults like having been mugged or robbed. Uh, we, I, I remember having our house broken into at one, at one time, and even though um, they didn't take anything, um, it was the violation. You, f the via you feel personally violated because someone chose to go past my boundary. So it's a violation, and it is myrrh is a symbol that helps to, that shows that there's a purification that God does in our lives from uh, violations. Just as God did for Esther, he provides us times and seasons of training, uh, of purification and beautification, so that we too can fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Um, I, I think back, I, I'm, to use my life as an example, I think back about w wanting to go to college, uh, wanting more for my life. Um, um, really wanting to travel, I wanted to see more. I, I wanted to experience more. Um, I didn't know that I was being prepared as an answer to my mother's prayer. Um, one of the things my mom told me that she would pray for was that she wanted to see a pastor after God's own heart. Um, so when God sent us back here 
and I, and I don't say this to puff myself up in any way. I'm just to show the faithfulness of God. Uh, God, when God started dealing with us about moving back here to Harrisburg, I had, I really had no intention of ever moving back here. Um, I want, I liked living in a big city. I liked being able to travel. I liked traveling. I liked, uh, the experience of it and the it's really convenient there's you and the variety of living in a big city so that it, it never occurred to me to to move back home it just it never did I just it was never a, a thought but when God began <laughs> began to deal with us about it I had to we had to seriously think about it because I wanted I never wanted to be in a position where I was disobedient to God. So when God began to deal, get, he started giving my husband dreams. Um, and he actually put a desire in my heart for my, for my family, um, for my friends, for the people that I knew here. Um, um, and we said yes to his tugging, to his, uh, to his will about coming back and begin to prepare. Um, in the years of preparation, what God did for me was to heal me first. Um, God wants healed healers. So he healed me first. Um, and one of the ways that he uh, began to heal me was first to learn about, learn about the Holy Spirit, um, to, to see him as a person. And to see how, uh, and to learn about what he does and who he is in my life. Um, I learned that at ORU. There was a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit and how he moves and what he does. Um, and in the church back in St. Louis, one, the, the next thing I learned about was about forgiveness. Uh, and God had to really work on me for that because of... Uh, I had to forget, let go of my father. Um, one of the, and, one of, and that helped me to see God in a healthier way. Um, my father was, I, now that I, I understand now, as I look back at him, he was a man who was n not raised by a godly man or a godly woman. Um, and so I have to, and that helped me to release him, to let him go, because he couldn't give me what he did not receive. Um, and actually from that point on, it helps me to release anybody who offends or, or hurts me. I, I recognize that in some way, they did not receive what they needed, or they have been wounded themselves one of the things our, our bishop said all the time was that hurt people hurt people. So you have to see it, see it that way, and it helps you to release them. Um, so I learned forgiveness. Uh, one of, that's one of the things that God trained me in and purified me from uh, was unforgiveness. Um,
Let me go ahead and read this. Part of God's training me up in a way that I should go included being taught about forgiveness, being taught how powerful it is to let people go, letting go those who have harmed or offended us, uh, frees us, it fr and it allows God to deal with the offender. One of the uh, pictures that are um, that our bishop talk, uh, talked about was um, when God comes to deal with people in their, in their offense, being offensive, we need to duck so that he can deal with whoever is the offender. We need to get out of the way. And forgiving that person gets us out of the way so that he can deal with the person because you don't want them to be lost either. It also, forgiveness also cleanses us from bitterness. Um, uh, and bitterness affects our bodies. These unforgiveness affects our bodies. It, and they become open doors to the enemy to, to affect us, to bring in illness. Um, yeah. Another training that God brought into my life through our church was um, the um, teaching about generational curses and how to be free from them. There, we went through a very deliberate process of, of prayer, um, uh, first of all with the leadership in our church, to break generational curses. We went, there was a, um, a we went through a list of, of the different generational curses, and we would pray about each one and renounce anything that we saw in our families or, uh, or we felt that we had been dealing with. Um, and it was made available to any member in the church who wanted to be free. Um, but generational curses was another thing um, that God used to help to train and to cleanse and to beautify. Um, Beauty is not just the outside, it's the inside. Um, to be able to uh, be per a person that people don't mind being around. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who was, has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let all of us make a commitment to submit to God's process of preparing us for a kingdom purpose. And we can do that by, number one, receiving the new allowance, um, which consisted of numerous dietary delicacies. So receive the new allowance, receive the new diet, receive a better diet, um, in the word, a better diet, natural diet in the way that we eat and take care of ourselves. Um, we are soldiers. We are in a war. So we have to remember that. Um, we are soldiers, so we want to be fit. We want to, we want to fulfill all of our days. We, I would prefer not to be infirmed. I want to be healthy until the end. I want to run my race strong. Um, so I need the word and I 
need to eat right for that. Number two, receive the purification. Um, receive the anointing and the cleansing that is necessary to fulfill God's purpose for your life and for the lives of your families um, so, so that you are a healed healer, so that you can touch your family in a healthy way. And number three, receive the oil, receive the anointing, God's power and ability to do God's will. Sometimes we fall back on our experiences, and that can be a, okay, but let God direct you. Let God give you the st specific strategy for your own life and for the lives of your families. And number four, receive the myrrh, the cleansing and purification from bitterness sad or sadness uh, caused by hurts and pains from the past, uh, fatherlessness, rape, abuses, neglect, motherlessness, unfulfilled dreams, or heart-crushing experiences. In this way, we will be prepared to do the will of God to fulfill our purpose for, uh, for the, pur the purpose that we are on this earth for, that God has given us. Amen. <laughs> So you want to do that right now. Let's just bow before the Lord. Thank you, Lord, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, like you did with Esther and took her through that process, we submit to the process that you are taking us through to be prepared for kingdom purpose. We receive this new allowance. I think that one of the toughest things in the world there is to do is to change our diet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm not talking about religious uh, um, uh, duty and just, you know, going on this regiment and all of that type of thing to... Um, you know, this self-righteous regiment that you can go on. And please don't receive this as condemnation or, 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 you know, anything like that. But there is a change that's necessary. This was part of Esther's change in order to be ready that a, a new diet was introduced to her. And prophetically, what this represents for us in changing our diet, changing our intake, what you're watching on TV, the movies you choose, the books you choose to read, the music you choose to listen to, all of that's part of the diet. What, what are you taking in? Lord, I'm going to change. You're, you're setting before me a new allowance. Do you know that even some of the Christian television you need to change? Come on, say amen. amen. I don't need a steady diet of God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God, God bless me, 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 me. I don't need a steady diet of bless me. So even for the Christian television or the Christian radio that we're all, the, some of the uh, Christian artists, where the emphasis of the music is always about me, 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 me. 
I'm going to just say it right now, Lord, I choose to I, I take the new allowance, the new diet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of those old school songs we used to sing, go back to that old diet. Remember when we used to sing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Thank you, Lord. Some of the diet that's being put out there is setting us, ourselves up to take on the role of the Holy Spirit. I claim this. I speak this. I decree. I declare. And I know where they got that stuff from. It's from misinterpretation of scripture. Because the order is God speaks. Right from the beginning of the Bible, we see the order. God speaks. Let there be light. And the pattern has never changed, even for our daily lives. Yeah, Satan tried to get Jesus to break the order. You speak to these rocks and tell it to be made bread. And what did Jesus say? No. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that the preceding word that's coming from the mouth of God. I don't speak nothing, Jesus said, except for what I hear my father saying. So when I speak, I'm echoing what he said. Boy, God's got us onto something here right now. So change the diet. Lord, I've changed from this diet of of. Uh, a twisted, perverted word that's even coming forth that we're hearing on Christian television. The pattern, you said it from the beginning. I live by every word that's coming from you. I decree nothing unless you say it first. I declare nothing unless you say it first. If you ain't saying it, I'm sorry, this is my Midwest Southern speaking. If you ain't saying it, I ain't saying it. <laughs> I will say what only what you say. I will do only what I see you doing. That's the pattern of my life. Isn't this a great allowance? Everybody say, Lord, I received the new this new allowance. This is your allowance for me. Thank you, Lord. And so when you are speaking to me out of the spirit and you even telling me to change my physical diet, I received the grace to do it. About a month ago, my wife put me, put us on a 10-day cleansing, uh, green, a smoothie. green smoothie fast or diet. Oh, my God. <laughs> 10 days of, 10 days of um, fruit and vegetables. 10 days of fruit and vegetables. But what it did was it changed even my taste buds. That's kind of an unexpected thing that happens when you, when you do such a thing. It changes your taste buds. And if, so if you try to go back to what you were eating before, it don't taste the same. And the thing that you used to crave and desire, it's not there anymore. So part of this change 
for us men and women of God as he's purifying us. You had no idea, Pastor Lebo, you will confirm the word. Part of the purification is to go through this process of allowing him to change us, what we take in spiritually, emotionally, even physically. Thank you, Lord. So one more time, just say, Lord, I receive the new allowance. I receive it. Thank you, Lord. Number two, I received the purification. There was a rubbing of the perfume and anointing and the cleansing. So sometimes, you know, you ever hear people say, that rubbed me the wrong way? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the things that God wants to do and change in our lives, it rubs us the wrong way at first. But, but that's okay. Say, Holy Spirit, keep on rubbing it in. Keep on rubbing it in. Yeah. This, this, new, this, this new perfume, this new scent, yeah, this new fragrance. Keep on rubbing it in. You know, when the new things come along, Jesus actually said it. He said, when new wine comes, you actually prefer the old because you're so used to that old flavor that when something new is introduced, we reject it. And so for what must happen in this country, and in this nation, God must have a purified people, a purified church. Jesus said, Satan has no place in me. So the purification removes any place that the enemy would be able to take a hold of. So say, Lord, I received the purification. Thank you, Lord. And God had Pastor Paul to do this third one for us, we had no idea, You just the flow, to actually anoint every single one of us because that's part of the process for Esther, to be anointed with oil. Good Lord, see there? <laughs> Can you hear it? So God's getting the Cumberland Valley Church ready I would dare to say one of the things that, I, that came into my heart as, uh, as I was looking over my wife's notes, and I feel led to share it with you, is that over this next year, for a year, you're going to be in this process of Esther. And you, you, even as you spoke and prophesied over and prayed over each one of us, I felt like that was in line with that word. Um, for those of you who received the words of uh, greater understanding is coming. Great anointing is coming. Um, the things God's going to release in your life, this is part of that process. I think sometimes we hear words like that and we think it's just going to happen. But God always gives us, when he says things are going to be released, then he, there's always this, now get ready for it. He'll tell us, yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And always at the end of it, he says, now get ready for it. <laughs> and this is the get ready for it. Sometimes our disappointment with prophecies that we have heard in the past, the disappointment of it never came to pass was because we didn't do what was necessary. This was God's plan and purpose for Esther, but she had to, she had to, or she would not have qualified. It would have just been another one of God's plans and purposes that he had, he would have had to wait for somebody else to give it to. 
So God's plans and purpose, his will, it's not just going to happen. There's always at the end of it for us as individuals to say, yes, Lord, I obey, I receive. So in this moment, just say, Lord, I receive the oil. Thank you, Lord. That's, and that's the power and the ability to do his will. I receive it. I receive the power. I receive the ability to do your will. Thank you, Lord. And this last one, Lord, I received the myrrh. This is that, that purification from bitterness, that purification from sadness. I forgive. Anybody that comes into your mind right now, I forgive the one who hurt me, the one who harmed me. Thank you, Lord. Carol and I were talking uh, about someone who's in our life right now who doesn't realize that they're in bitterness. They don't realize it. Uh, all they can see is what other people have done to them. That's all they, their entire perspective of life right now is what everybody has done to me or what everybody is not doing for me or how everybody else is not helping me. That's a person that's in bitterness. If the entire focus of your life is what everybody else isn't doing to help you, then you're in bitterness. There's somebody or somebodies <laughs> that you have not forgiven. It changes your perspective. Yeah, it, all, it changes your perspective. If when you, another thing that, that happens when you don't forgive a person for offending you, you become what you despise. We've seen it over and over again. Uh, they'll, they'll do the same thing to another person. It might be for a different reason, but they will do the same thing to other people when you don't forgive. Thank you, Lord. And it brings healing to your own body when you forgive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So right now, just say, Lord, I receive it. I, I, I receive this cleansing and purification from bitterness, and so I forgive the ones who hurt me, harmed me, people who disappointed me. There's somebody here that needs to forgive yourself. <laughs> you need to forgive yourself. You don't know what you don't know. And the reason why I say that is because some of the decisions were yet you made because you were operating out of the knowledge and the experience that you had at that time. You don't know what you don't know. So forgive yourself. Let it go. You can't be embittered against yourself, beating up yourself about, I should have known better. That's probably, I, I, hear, I hear that in the spirit. Somebody keeps saying, I should have known better. No. You don't know what you don't know. I'm not giving you an excuse, that's just a reality. So let yourself go. Say it, I forgive me. That's not in pride. That's not pride to say, I forgive me. That's one of the most humble things you could do. <laughs> I forgive me. I release myself. I take myself out of my prison. Thank you, Lord. I let go of that statement that I should have known better. I only, I only knew what I, what I knew. I let it go. I let myself go. Forgiveness is a process. You'll need to do that over and over again whenever it comes to your mind. Let yourself go. Let the person go. Forgiveness is a process. 
it's not, <laughs> often it is not instantaneous. Thank you, Lord. For those that need to do this, let mom go. Let mom go. When Mother's Day comes, when Father's Day comes, those are some, some of the toughest days of the year for you. Let, let, let mom go. Let her go. Thank you, Lord. All that she should have done, was supposed to have done, even things. There's, there's a difference between things that a person will not do for you and the things that a person cannot do for you. And most of us, especially as, t as children and teenagers, we don't know the things that our parents could not do. They didn't have the ability. Yes, they were supposed to. But if a person cannot do it for you, there's a difference. And we see it as they would not. Sometimes they just could not. They didn't have the internal fortitude, the internal strength. They didn't have wisdom. They didn't have insight. While you were a child, they may have still been in their rebellious stage in their life. And they're full of regret. They've watched you grow up. And they may have never said it to you, but they regret how they raised you. Thank you, Lord. So let them go. Let mom go. Let dad go. Thank you, Lord. Especially the ones where they was absolutely dead wrong. <laughs> he said, but what about the ones who they knew they was wrong? They could have done better. They should have done better. They had the ability and they still didn't do it. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. I release them. Forgiveness doesn't, doesn't make the situation okay. It makes you okay. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't make the situation better. How many of you have found that out? Forgiving people don't make the situation better, but it makes you better. They may never change, but you will. So, Lord, we receive this myrrh. This cleansing, this purification. This is important, everybody, because what I see for where God is taking Cumberland Valley Church, this is going to be extremely important, Esther. I speak to you and I call Cumberland Valley Church and Esther. It's going to be extremely important because God's going to use you like he did her to preserve and save his people. Thank you, Lord. My Lord God. So we release them, God. We let them go. Thank you, Lord. We release all bitterness, our unfulfilled dreams, the things that crushed us. Yes, Lord God. Bless the Lord our God. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, give the Lord a hand today. Bless the Lord.